Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs his process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab, step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if them bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause them bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to him, Hold on. Say that again. Oh, what an idiot. It's, uh, it's death taxes and Austin Krell being late for a live stream. Those are terrible. the three things you can count on. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Welcome I... to the feed to Embiid. Kai Carlin and I have apparently uh, hijacked this show. It's ours now, Austin. I'm sorry. It's ours now. I'm sorry. We, we took um, it. Yeah, you guys had a good run, but uh, we had to take it over. I see hey, Kai's got his gaming headset. What game are you playing lately? Uh, the only game I really played, to be completely honest with you, was Call of Duty Cold War. Okay. And, yeah, it's the one that came out, uh, I think, like, in November or something like that. So. Oh, wait, hold on. He's got an intro video. Let's play that. Oh, he has an intro. Maybe stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help, and Embiid takes it right to the rack. Embiid, step back, Joker, you did. There he is again, the Euro step there. Embiid getting so fair to play. It's a hijack. We hijacked the show. That's crazy. That's actually a well-done video you guys put together there. That's actually it's, pretty good. It's nice. It does guarantee that we'll never monetize this this program, but uh, sure, yeah, it's very nice. Absolutely, very nice. absolutely. Got to give it up. <clears throat> so we are here. I'm Jason Blevins. That's Kai Carlin. This is the feed to Embiid. Why are we here? I don't know. <laughs> I thought I thought we were here for Austin. I mean, like. <laughs> Like Austin was the one. Austin's like, not here. I'm sure wow. he'll edit the audio so that when it goes out on iTunes, please follow, rate, subscribe, give him five stars. I'm sure he'll cut all this out. He absolutely um, will, that little weasel. But live, live, you got us right now till yes, he arrives. Do. Yes, you do. Um, and uh, so what do you want to talk about, Kai? I don't know. I mean, I, I was I was given a rundown by our gracious host, but I mean, the, the gracious oh, okay. host isn't here, so yeah, I mean, so I don't we know. talk about anything we want until he gets here, right? Yeah, you know what? I was actually thinking that you know we'll talk about the goat v. Makai Luke now that playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. There he is. There he is. Our gracious host has finally joined. Of course, of I, course, he's only late. I would show up late to my own podcast, but at least I wasn't like 
too late this time. <laughs> I mean, all the comments man. we've seen so far have been very positive. To, exactly. Uh, to this, so, this new change to what, the program. What is your drink tonight? You texted me that you were going to have a cocktail with you. Um. Oh, wait. No, no. I'm not showing anything because we don't give away advertising for free. Yeah, see? I like program. that. I, I like that. that. That's, good. That's good. That's good business right there. Um, so we do have a lot to talk about tonight. Kai and I were uh, we're, we're talking beforehand about uh, you know where where things stand after the trade deadline, um, and we're going to start off with some George Hill commentary here. Um, <clears throat> they acquired George Hill. It was I think they sent out how many picks? Was it four picks? Four second round picks. Yes. Four second round picks. Um, so they, they, they send that out and then they also give up, uh, three players. They give up Vinny P they give up toe bread and they give up, uh, Terrence Ferguson, two of which obviously they never come close to cracking the rotation here. Um, and are both released. They are yep. now free agents. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, um, they get back a quality, a quality rotation player in George Hill. I think people are going to continue to view this in the light of, uh, is he like like a cat as he compared to Kyle Lowry? Because that was the most obvious name. They were reportedly close to getting Kyle Lowry, and they don't they don't they don't get it done for you know whatever reason. Um, but I gotta say, I, I think George Hill was a really solid acquisition. You want to go first, Jason? Or you want me to? Uh, I'll go first because I, I my take is probably not as interesting. Uh, I think it's solid. It's like a, it's like you hit, you hit a single and you you kept the inning alive. Yeah, I have to agree. Like the way I see it is, everybody was like so upset they didn't get Kyle Lowry, and I know Austin and I actually talked about this too because I guess everybody on WYP was like, "Oh, Daryl Morey's a fraud. He didn't bring in you know the big name." And it's like, "Yo, shut up!" Like George, like George Hill is a very, very good player. It's not like George Hill is some scrub. You know what I'm saying? Like he's gonna come in here and fill a really important role. Jason, go ahead. Uh, I've got his cleaning glass up, so I'm looking, diving into the stats, and they they don't strike you like an elite point guard. So I think if people think he's an elite point guard, he's not. I think he's closer to um, Shake Milton than he is to CP3. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what George Hill is. I mean, but what you get there is I think what you need – so much that second unit just to stabilize some things out um, is you need a guy that's going to give you steady ball handling and and, and efficient mm-hmm. scoring. I think Hill's making like above sixty something percent of his uh, of his twos, uh, thirty nine from three. And I, I, the thing that that I think is really important for him is it's just a turnover ratio of like almost three to one. So I mean, he, he's an efficient. He's an efficient player. He doesn't do too much. He doesn't try to do too much. He, he's reliable. You can trust him in crunch time. I think he's going to get a lot of crunch time minutes. I think it's two to one, though. I don't think it's three to one this this past season. I'll, I'll look again. Let me bring up his B-Ref stats. I think for um, me – for me, I just and- don't think he's a pure floor general, which is not a bad thing because in this team, they're not really built to have one. Um, 
He is at no, he is at three to one. But his it's funny his his assist percentage versus his turnover percentage. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. It's it's interesting because in his raw numbers he is three to one, but in his percentages he's like two to one. I don't know how to interpret that on the fly. You're saying like percentages, assist percentage compared to turnover percentage, right? Interesting. Yeah, that's a little bit of the like a mind for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready to do that math on the on the live stream. That's crazy. Well, I don't even know how to interpret that, but. Um, <laughs> overall, overall, I think it's a solid, a solid outcome for, um, you know, a, a team that I, I don't know how true it is that Daryl was like, you know, they don't, people don't want to make change at the Sixers or whatever. Um, I think if the right, if, if they had, if they had the best offer on the market, you're going to end up going for the Sixers. That's how it works. Business. So Mr. Daryl, uh, Tillman for Cheetah and you spike people um, and do it that are really stupid. I, I tell you, I, I, it's going to be nearly impossible for that trade to have really any kind of like real value. Yeah, I think um, I think it was a solid move. I think it gives them the ability to play really small, and you can play some really small ball lineups. <clears throat> out there. Now, I don't personally believe that either Ben Simmons or Mike Scott are the type of rim protector you'd need to play um, super small. Correct. So um, it's getting dicey about who the options are left to pick up in the buyout market for, for big men. But I think it allows them to, man, if you want to space the floor, like They've got a lot of guys they can throw on the floor right now. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I I just sort of I was kind of of the mindset that this team needed basically anything that could that could give them some like veteran leadership off of the bench, like experience running and, and commandeering a, a second unit. Because I didn't, I mean, Dwight Howard doesn't have experience in commandeering a second. I mean, he tries to commandeer it from time to time. It doesn't, it doesn't go too well, uh, but he tries. Um, but I, I think like George Hill is a highly respected, you know, leader on on the floor. And again, with this with this group, depth is important, but it's important only to the extent that like the three best players are all under the age of like 28, 29, you don't need depth that's going to play more than realistically 16 to 20 minutes a game, really. Like the, the starters are going to be playing 34 to 38 minutes in the playoffs at least. You're not wrong. Just the way the way it's set up, it's just it's like – and then this is what I was going to say about George Hill. It's, it's like he's a two-way guard who – and I think, Austin, you kind of alluded to it earlier. He's going to kind of stabilize things offensively because Shake Milton is the guy who's focused on scoring rather than running an offense. And Jason, you also alluded to it as well. It's not like Hill is like this, you know, 100% complete floor general, but he is a guy who will come in and run things. And I feel like his playoff experience is going to just be so, so invaluable to this team because another thing that Austin just mentioned was the fact that their stars are still very young between Ben, Joel, 
and uh, you know the other guys on this roster. They're just they're a relatively young team. So bringing in a guy like Hill, who has 127 career playoff games under his belt, he's been to the finals, he's been to the Eastern Conference Finals on multiple occasions. Uh, just I, I feel like that that's going to be like a really huge addition for them, and it's going to be an underrated addition for them. Like just because he's not a big name like Kyle Lowry doesn't mean he's not going to help. Yeah, what would have been your guys' limit to the asking price on Kyle Lowry? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's understandable they asked for Maxi. Because I mean, again, like it, you know, Toronto is just—it seems like they're entering a different phase of their franchise's history. Obviously, if they're if they're they're willing to part with this guy, so you you need a starting point to build for your next rebuild. Um, I mean, Matisse Matisse is such a like a a hard guy to like really kind of value because I feel like he's so great defensively, and because he's so great defensively, the minute he gets any type of jump shot, all of a sudden he's your prototypical legitimate two-way three and d player so i feel like i feel like you really can't give up on that just yet but at the but on the flip side you know if, if you feel like you have a chance to win a championship with kyle lowry i just i don't know it, it's really hard to kind of come up with a realistic trade value or trade package i should say for a guy yeah. like him at 35 yeah i i think that uh i i'm on record is not thinking matisse is untouchable i do think he's a great tradable asset. I would not have included him in a trade for any uh, any 34, 35 year old guard. I just wouldn't have. And and despite the fact that players are getting so good at extending their careers uh, at the one and uh, the one position for sure, and and the four, uh, they're getting so good at really managing their body and their health that they are extending their playing careers. Um, just Thibel is a bullet. I think you got to keep in the chamber for a much bigger move. And um, Maxi, it's really, he's really tricky because it just depends on whether he's got a point guard inside of him somewhere. And if he doesn't, then he, he should be traded. Um, Can I tell you, I, I think, I get the sense that Tyrese Maxey will be very available uh, this summer once those like off-season trade chips begin to fall and you know, like certain guys come available. I think he will be very available come this summer. Yeah, I think Shake will as well, and I think different teams will have different valuations of those two players um, for sure. Eddie's uh, hopping in here. When did when 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 did well, this? I, listen, I, that is your decision. This is your show, even though you were ten minutes late. Uh, <laughs> I was I was three minutes late. Okay, <laughs> maybe you know, but yeah, but you know how the math works. If you're five minutes early, you're late. So you're 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 really eight minutes late. Okay, which will round up to ten. Just wow, Justin is here. He is. Um, he is here to produce the show, he says, so we will always take that help whenever we can get it. Thank there you, Justin. Um, now, so I, I, let's, let's hop over to some of uh, the other things that Kai and I have been talking about. Doc Rivers. So I, I got to tell you, I think as this season goes on, he's very much placed himself and kind of forced himself into the conversation for Coach of the Year. The team just keeps winning. With or without Embiid, um, yeah. 
Obviously, they lost against the, the Clippers. Um, they've had a couple of easy games this road trip that have been sort of lucky because they didn't have to face the, those their opponents' best pieces because they were out with injury or what have you. But the team is without its best player, its its MVP, and they're still what they're what are they? They've won eleven of twelve. Not obviously not not obviously not without all without him. But he's missed how many games since the start of the the second half of the season? It's been what nine. 20? Nine, nine, and they've played what? Eleven. They played eleven games. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, the the record speaks for itself. And even when he is there, I mean, there 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 were still what? They were. I I forget the total number of games they played with him. But the point of the matter is that they are thirty two and fourteen. They're on pace to have at least their best season. I would say percentage wise, winning percentage wise, since oh one oh two or since oh oh one. I should say. Um, and, you know, I, I think this team is playing at a, at a in a way that we've never seen in this era. I think roles are really defined. I think there's accountability. I think they have really tight chemistry and camaraderie uh, that wasn't really there with Brett. And I don't, I don't think that the camaraderie part of it is Brett Brown's fault necessarily. But I think that Doc has in, is instilling a culture of like, this is how we're going to win basketball games. Yeah, I think uh, it's been businesslike and professional, and um, they haven't had wild swings even inside of games like they used to have. I just think it's really impressive um, watching a coach with this approach um, just manage the, the personalities and get everyone playing like professionals consistently. Yeah. I think honestly, when it comes to that and, you know, Austin's kind of alluded to it, Doc Rivers really has kind of come in here, really changed everything. And I was, I was actually asked something the other day and I feel like, you know, I want to give you guys this on, on this as well. Do they have the same type of success right now with Brett Brown instead of Doc? Doubtful. No. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And, and, and I, and I feel like, I feel like it's because of the fact that doc comes in and doc demands respect. You know what I'm saying? Like doc comes in here and he demands respect. He gets a lot of guys to understand that this is, this is your role. This is how you're going to play it. And I need you to understand that this, this is what we need from you. And when they had Tony Bradley and uh, you know, obviously they were winning with Bradley there before the, the George Hill deal. Tony Bradley was having success not because he was trying to be Joel Embiid, but because he was being Tony Bradley. And I feel like again that that's coaching. Like Doc has got him to understand. Like, listen, we just need you to do this. We don't need you to go for fifty. You know, we need you to just give us a double double or something, ten and ten, twelve and ten, something like that. Just be be you. And I feel like that has kind of been like a really huge thing for their type of success this year. It's been great. Yeah, there's a quote. I, I don't think it was Leonard Fournette, but it was it was someone in of that ilk. And and their quote was, "If it's third and one, I'll get you three. And if it's third and eight, I'll get you three. Like that is <laughs> that is a guy that understands what he does. He understands his his place in the uh, in the universe. He embraces his role and he goes and do, does it." I think Doc is one of those guys that's just like, look, here's what's make what makes you special. Here's what's going to keep you in the league. Here's the thing you need to do. Everything else is extra. 
don't try to impress me. Do your job. Right. So yeah. There's a lot of value in just recognizing someone's special sauce and encouraging them to double down on their special sauce. For sure. Um, can I tell you, I, I, I think with Doc, he's empowered them to play their, 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 their best versions of themselves, their best, their best ball. Um, but he's also like, like maybe not in his colorful, colorful words, but you certainly get the vibe like with Tobias, um, with Ben, he's like, he's like, yeah, 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 cut that shit out. Like no more six, seven dribbles. Like it's one, two, three, go. You're, 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 that's it. Um, he, he, it's, it's laissez faire in that he trusts them to make the right decisions and to play, you know, and just play naturally. But he's also, I think, saying like, this is what we're not going to do. <laughs> we're not going to do this. You're not yeah, going to, right, right. To defend Brett Brown, that whole dribbles thing, the six, seven dribbles versus the two, three dribbles that Tobias brought up this past week. That is a thing I heard in the coaching organization last year. And I heard it specifically about Marielle Shayok. So I want to defend the previous regime in that it's not that they didn't say these things, but back to your original point, commanding respect, there's one thing to say the right thing. There's another thing to have the authenticity and the gravitas to make your your players really buy into it uh, and believe it. So what you're saying is that Brett Brown was was, was telling them like, hey, well, like this is how we're not going to play, and they were kind of like, eh, shrugging them off. Well, in the heat of the moment, I think you have, uh, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Not uh, to quote Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, and I don't, and I think Doc. There's such an ease on the sidelines. You hear his voice constantly, especially before there were fans. Um, you see him in the press conferences. Like he knows who he is. He knows who he's not. He knew, knows who he was as a player. There's just a comfort level that I think emanates out, and um, the players are comforted by it. So that when the when the wheels could come off, and they have come off in the past. Uh, they look over at him, and the wheels don't come off. And I don't see the wheels coming off nearly as often. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Because, I mean, to that point, uh, like, there are just so many times where, like, in the past, where, like, if if a team were, if, a, if an opposing team was to go on a run, right, like, there were too many times when the Sixers would just kind of take the hit and not really hit back. There were, there were certain occasions where they would, you know, fight back and everything, but – it just it, it wasn't enough, you know what I'm saying? Like you have so many, you've seen so many times this year under Doc that this team, like, will will rally, like even when they're down. Like, listen, we're not out of it, we're not out of it. Just we got to be able to kind of keep fighting back and keep it going. Um, and honestly, I see I see the uh, the comments. Sam Cassell also does deserve a lot of credit as well for his work with this team. I feel like the work he's done with Ben Simmons has been really really good. Yeah. Yeah, the one I don't know about is Dave Yorger. I I love I don't Yorger. know what his role is. I think it's Jaeger. 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 Yeah, yeah. I think Jaeger. it's so funny. Jaeger. What's his role? I don't know. I don't know what exactly what he does. He like coordinates. He's there for offense. Does he though? No, Dave I is offense. Dave is offense. Okay. I see no, Dave Dan Dave Burke is in the huddle. Dave is defense. offense. 
Dave is offense. Dan Burke is defense. Okay. I, and Sam no, I got, is the whisperer. Yeah. I, I got I to tell you, I, I remember it was like the, the day before the Chicago game and coach was on – Rivers was under – was under uh, wasn't feeling too well. And so they have Yeager come in and Kai and I are like, what is this going to be like? This dude was talking, 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 having a good time. At the very end, and like this sweet, like like Midwest type of like like accent, he's like, "Sorry, I talk too much, y'all. Have a good night." Just <laughs> like, oh, what a pleasure, what a, what a guy. <laughs> Coach, I, get back on defense. That's a, a dude who's from the Midwest. That's a dude who's from the Midwest. I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, he was like the sweetest guy. Oh, jeez, don't you know? We're gonna get no. back on defense. Oh, no, I think he's from Iowa. I think he's like like just like very very much so from that upper you know upper middle quadrant very uh, you know conservative type of dude. I By like the way, him. I was in the hotel last week and Hoosiers came on after like an episode oh, of Star Hoosiers. Trek, like some random channel, some random hotel channel, and uh, I just left it on. Not a good movie. It's a, it's an okay movie. Like, like I it's, feel it's, like they're much right. better back. My my fav my favorite is still Coach Carter. Great movie, great 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 movie. Yeah, Coach Carter. Coach Carter is my favorite. Um, I mean, Space Jam is a classic. I don't care what anybody says. Do you think Hoosiers gets the benefit of being like one of the first basketball movies to like treat it in a serious way, and therefore it didn't get judged against anything else? I think so. That's probably it. Yeah, that's listen. My hot take for this episode is that I am not a big, uh, I'm not a big Space Jam guy. Wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> I loved he got game. Love that great movie. Yeah, I loved uh, I, I love Coach Carter. I'll tell you what, this is going to be embarrassing, and I'm going to get killed for this. One of my favorite basketball movies because I think it was like actually a good basketball movie. Was was uh, uh, what's that movie called? Um, <laughs> what? Semi Semi pro. Semi pro. Semi pro. Ah, semi pro. Love that movie. I could watch that movie. I think I've watched that movie like upwards of like 16, 17 times. I I seen hilarious. that movie once, exactly once. It's a great, 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 great movie. Um, movie is absolutely hilarious. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think Listen. we can all agree that Teen Wolf is the best. Basketball Listen, movie. Hold on, the the jive turkey scene from uh, Semi Pro is this, that like that whole scene is just hilarious. <laughs> is that wow. a Thanksgiving game? No, no it's just something. It, 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 it's it's like a slang from like the seventies or something, and it was just a yeah, bull like, like, and everything. I think, it's, I think it's like a racial thing that was like popular back then. But yeah, I uh, guess so. And it, yeah. it was just like, well, I, like uh, did you guys ever watch? And you probably haven't because I think it was an HBO movie called Goat. Uh, the story of something Manigault. He was called Goat. Goat. Never I heard mean, of it. It's a very good, God, a very I, good movie. They're, they're, they're playing like Don Cheadle is Goat. They're playing Don like, Cheadle. They're playing Listen, like, I know Don Cheadle as James Rhodes from the MCU, like playing like Rhodey and then War Machine in the MCU. When he was young. He uh, one of his first movies was called Goat. I'll have to look into it. Anyway, this is before anybody would call anyone else a goat, 
What do you mean, man? So that's V Mikhailuk. Svi Mikhailuk. <laughs> what a name. Earl Manigot. They made a uh, movie about him. So, let's, uh, let's yeah. so, so real quick, do we have a doc is a, is a coach of the year candidate? I yeah, think I he think is, he yeah. but I, I don't think I don't think he I don't think he will win though. I don't think he will either. I, I gotta say I think it's gonna be dancing to go to like Monty or something like that because those are the teams that that like, get the narratives. I keep I, everyone like is like, well, we got the MVP, we got the defensive player of the year, we got the coach of the year. I'm like, the narratives say that the Sixers won't win one award. Right, right, and like. That- I don't know. The way I see it is like, and you just mentioned Monty. I mean, the Phoenix Suns they haven't made the playoffs since uh, 2010. So, yeah. if, like, like if the Suns can get in, then I feel like you do have to kind of give a lot of, you know, credit to Monty. Uh, do question: Does Tom Thibodeau dick get any type of? I think he should. Co- like coach of the year, like type of. He won't win it, but do you feel like he kind of should at least deserve some credit? I do. What I about do. you, Jason? Um, I think Tom. Thibodeau is able to take a chicken, a pile of chicken shit, and turn it into a chicken sandwich. But what he can't do is wow. turn it into a 28-day dry-aged cut of beef. So yeah, yeah. I so mean, like, how do you call it coach of the year when is that team getting out of the first round of the playoffs? Uh, no. I mean, I, I will say this. I will say this. How about depending on the matchup? I think I think right now, if the season ended today, they would actually play the Charlotte Hornets round one. And Charlotte's obviously going to be missing LaMelo Ball. Um, I, don't I don't know about that anymore because he's supposed to be back. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I saw, like, he can come back, like, probably, like, the first week of May or something like that. Um, But, let, but let's just say, let's just say LaMelo can't go, right? Uh, and and I think I, I think I would take the Knicks o- over over the uh, to beat the Hornets in round one if that would be the matchup. I mean, obviously there's still a lot ton of basketball left to be played. Yeah, I don't. That would be wild. If can, I, can, we just, can we just acknowledge what a what a world it'll it'll be um, if the Sixers have a second up with the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> I will. It's I will the say the Knicks. This. There you oh. you see the the, the Thibodeau Knicks right there. I, I will. I will say this: like, if if they play the uh, the Charlotte, if they, if it's Sixers Hornets round two, uh, we we can take a permanent marker and put the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think I, I think I agree with that. I don't. I believe that the Hornets would win a single game in that series. No, I don't think they would either. To be honest with you, I think Philip would sweep them. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to see. Because you know the, the Hornets. The they Hornets actually haven't won a playoff series since 2002 off the top of my head. I think they had three playoff wins in my, in my existence of watching basketball. And that was 2016. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, they lost They what? lost that seven games to, yeah, um, lost games to the Heat. Marky, yeah, that, I love you. I love you, and I appreciate you being on, but every team has dealt with this. Yeah, yeah every, every team has dealt every with team has dealt with this. It is what it is. You go around the league and every team – you can see on this West Coast trip – you could argue that the Sixers really haven't played a team at full strength uh, on this trip. I would agree. Um, let's go over to this road trip. So they have um, they, they're what they're three and one now. They beat the Knicks on a miracle. Um, that that Julius Randle shot was like eighty five percent of the way down and, and pops out. 
Um, and that was just a really poorly played game. Like that Knicks team is tough, as we were saying. That's a, that's a that's a one of the better Knicks teams I think I've seen in the last decade. But yeah, the Sixers did not play like anywhere near to what they've to the standard they've established for themselves in that game. Um, and then they go to Gold State. State. That yeah. goal isn't bad. Either. They're frisky. They were down 24 in the first quarter, and they ended up taking like a seven-point lead in that game. Yeah, good team. Thibodeau would be a great penguin. You're absolutely right. He would be. <laughs> I'm touching that one. Wow, that's brutal. Who guards uh, the Joker? That's a good question. Tomorrow night? Oh, God. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, I was thinking we were still talking about comic books. Can I? Oh. Uh, oh, I mean. I don't even know. We go with that I, one. I, I, would, I would probably put Ben Simmons on the Joker. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what you do. Um, you can. So who's going to attack the rim on Denver? On Denver? Uh, probably Aaron Gordon. Yeah. I'd live with Aaron Gordon. Right? I mean, Aaron Gordon, the one guy on the might be the slashers. So if you think about it that way, that's a really great trade for Denver because we just went through a quick thought exercise and said, yeah, I can live with uh, not having a rim protector. And then you say, well, Aaron Gordon will just dunk on you all night. And you say, Ooh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like I'm still not like really a big Aaron Gordon guy. I never really have been. Um, like it's kind of like, okay, you can dunk. Okay, cool. But just I, I look at I look at Aaron Gordon and I feel like he would be an okay fit in Denver, just because they they won't ask him to do as much as what the uh, the Magic were asking of him. You know, the Magic were asking him to literally be the star face of their franchise, him and Nikola Vucevic. And now that Gordon's in Denver, I feel like it's it's a really good addition, and I feel like he can help the Nuggets really make a deep run in the playoffs. And listen, with, with Anthony Davis's injury, guys, I don't know if the Lakers are a slam dunk pick to come out of the West anymore. I thought he was returning to basketball activities this week. I heard Frank Vogel the other day say something about like how he's going to be out for a little bit longer. So I'm not, I'm not so sure. I gotta tell you, they're going to rest him as long as they need to be sure that he's ready for the playoffs because they'll, they'll they will breeze through that entire conference. I, I don't listen. I, I I'm impressed with what Utah has done this year. Me too, but still Utah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Then again, it's still, like the Sixers are still the Sixers. Like, like, like that's a good point too. That is yeah. a good point. I mean, listen, Bro- Brooklyn is still my pick. Like Brooklyn has been my pick all season, and I feel like with these moves lately with Griffin and uh, Aldridge, that just kind of confirms it a little bit more for me. I'm, Brooklyn's still my pick. Well, like, what? We'll, we'll get into that a little more. Um, but did you guys? Did you guys kind of like notice that Doc brushed over that the fact that they blew a twenty-four point? lead in the first quarter of that Golden State game, he would just sort of like, yeah, they, uh, you know, they came back. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Well, because, because I mean, like the way, the way I see it is it's like, like they won the game. So it was like, who cares? We won. So like, like that's always been Doc's like attitude. Doc's like, as long as we win, I, I, I don't care. You know, like that's just kind of Doc's attitude. I guess like players that I think it kind of starts to fall on deaf ears of players who are like we're winning and Eddie's still kicking our asses. So I mean, I, I guess I guess that makes sense. But I, I still think there needs to be an element of accountability. Like why the hell? Are, like why the hell are you guys blowing? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, by the way, this uh, this comment that Justin threw up here, uh, our producer extraordinaire, the Justin Persichetti, update from 326, Anthony Davis was re-examined by a team uh, medical staff earlier this evening. Continuous progress in his recovery. It's been clear to advance his on-court work. Additional updates will be given when appropriate. Does uh, do either of you guys want to read the text we got about George Hill? And uh, I don't get texts. all right, well here's here's the. Uh, let me just read the the uh, uh, from Saturday. That'll uh, be next. We see the following updates on Joel Embiid and George Hill. Joel has continued to progress well through his rehabilitation program. He has resumed on-court activities while ramping up his conditioning. Next up with a on status will be provided as appropriate. It's virtually word for word. And now here's George Hill. George Hill is out with the right thumb surgery, which we should talk about because uh, it's a shooting hand thumb. Uh, he will resume on-court basketball activities in the coming days. And the next update on his status will be provided as appropriate. It's like word for word. This is like... Is this coming out of the NBA office, or is this like out of uh, uh, PR school uh, 101? It's like word for word what the Anthony Davis update is. Right. I mean, I think so George I, Hill. I think George Hill probably play in like a week, or or maybe two so, weeks tops. Like, you know what I'm saying? Are like, you I don't, I don't about, his, uh, about no. his thumb on his shooting hand? No. Okay, make the argument for George Hill with me why why he's gonna help them didn't we already go over this earlier yeah what i, I want you to give it in one sentence what's the argument he's a veteran point guard who is a two-way player like a legitimate right. one okay because that's not what we that's not what everybody said when the trade happened everybody pointed to his three-point shooting percentage and right. uh, yeah, but it's a thumb on his shooting hand. That could be problematic. <laughs> Listen, the way the way it was set up, the way the way it was set up, like the way Daryl described it. Remember, Daryl said it was just an issue to correct something yeah. that was bothering him. Now that the thing is over, he'll he'll be good. I mean, it obviously remains to be seen, but just like I don't know, like I, I'm not really too concerned by it. You know, because I mean, I, I talked to a couple of Thunderbeat writers um, after the trade was made, and they basically, made, and and they basically made it sound like Hill could have played the final two weeks in OKC before being yeah. traded. But obviously, yeah. they weren't. Gonna, obviously, they weren't going to do that because they're a rebuilding team and they're beginning to focus on Teo Maladon and Ty Jerome. Right. So that's the question: is like, is he in the gym shooting, and? Uh, do the Sixers have access to see that shot? Because um, a, a thumb is important. I don't care what anybody says. I see it in the comments saying it's not important. Other the thumb is important. Means. Listen, the thumb is important. important. Of course the it thumb, is. The thumb is important. Like the steering wheel is important to a car. <laughs> but they were like, what? I mean, it's the, it's the difference between the rotation going this way or maybe that way, right? And that's of course, the, the, the thought you have of all th of all fingers you need when you're shooting a basketball, thumb is probably the second or third most important finger. Like, yeah, like, like the pinky, you don't really need as much, but the thumb, you right, need. right. So it's I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, 
Yeah, we are assuming a healthy hill. Yeah. Um, and, and from everything you read and everything we've been told, I mean, we've we've been there, Marky, so we haven't learned anything else. Um, but, you know, uh, I think there's some risk, and, and part of the job of a GM is to make calcu calculated risks based on probabilities. And... Uh, it is, uh, there is some risk, but I think that overall it's a good trade. We don't need to rehash it. I do think we need to go back though. Who's the third string center and who's the backup center or the starting center? That's a great one. Your other guys gets ejected or isn't available. That's a great segue. Um, so the buyout market, you want guys, you guys want to talk about that now or at the end? That's up to you, man. It's your show. Your show. All right. We'll do it at the end because. We only have about 20 minutes left. Do that at the end. Um, so the, you know, the Lakers game, let's just finish up these topics here. Lakers game, um, I, that Lakers team is tough, I think, but they were like – the Sixers could have could have blown their doors off. And they it was like another game that kind of like gives you some pause. Like why are they only winning this game? By, they had a 16-point lead. They only went by like what, 10? They were, they, were, they were up by four with like a minute left in it. Yeah, I think I think they were only up like six. Like like the point is like the Lakers cut that thing down. Yeah. So like those are those are those are trends that you want to nip in the butt because if that happens in the playoffs and you lose that game, that's a that's a that's a critical blow. Like you saw against the Celtics in like 2017 or 18, whatever that series was. But um Dwight gets ejected with the thing with Montrez. Um I hadn't thought about the fact that like Montrez got the contract in LA. That's why Dwight wasn't of interest to them anymore. And then he dipped to Philly. So I could see why he'd have a little bit of like pent up rage, but he, he has to be smarter than that. He absolutely does. And, you know, Dwight said it today at practice. He was like, listen, I need to be better. I got to be better. I can't get any more texts. And I mean, especially at a time like right now, you know what I'm saying? When like you are, you got no bigs other than you and you got to turn to Mike Scott to be your starting center at the moment and b-ball paul who we all love b-ball paul but he can't be playing center in the nba right now not yet you know he still doesn't even know the defensive rotations just yet so dwight he definitely has got to be a better he, he has about that you're like these philly fans they just don't get it <laughs> right they don't get it they don't get it i'm so sick of people like oh paul reed needs to start like no he shouldn't start like relax <laughs> Like he's in a good role right now. Just like let him learn. It's so annoying. Yeah, yeah I, I gotta tell you, I I think Daryl, you know, Moneyball when when Billy Bean trades away like, uh, uh, what the the Carlos Pena he trades with Carlos Pena that way they have right. to play somebody else at, at first that works better with the team. I right. think that what that trade was was with Vinny P and uh, and Tony Bradley. Obviously, like the, it, it was a need they filled. But I think he was sort of like, yeah, you're not going to play these guys over Paul Reed because I'm not going to give you any guys to play. Like these are, this is what you're going to do. You're going to play these guys. I think that well, was. I mean, my question to Daryl was exactly that question without asking it. Right? It's like, what's your tolerance for having us a, a center who can uh, guard in space versus a traditional drop coverage big? I gave him every opportunity to say, we really like B-Ball Paul. He didn't say that. 
I, right. I, I think, uh, and I even asked the follow-up like, okay, but long-term, what is it you see behind Joel? Are you looking at that type of big, uh, and he, he hedged on it. So I really do think they gambled on their ability to sign one of these buyout guys. And I think so far they haven't, they haven't hit on one of those gambles. Yeah. I, I have a little bit of Intel there that we'll talk about on that market. Um, but, and then they, you know, they, they played the Clippers That Clippers team, they, their rotations in that game were really poor. I thought like they, they, they usually when you give up a lot of corner threes that are open, it's because your, your, your health rotations on defense are, are tragic. Um, and I, I thought they didn't have a ton of energy in the defensive end of the floor. Um, and the Clippers, once they seized control, it was pretty much like down 10, down 13, down seven, down 10, down 13, down seven until the Clippers kind of like took it over. But um, I mean, I thought Doc said it all. Like they, they, let, they let the Clippers get into the paint and create those, 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 re, those rotational, um, you know, blunders. And then from there, it was kind of like the, the Sixers, you know, they gave up a, a lot of, I mean, LA, LA only made 11 threes in that game, but it felt like they made a lot more just yeah. because the, like, they were open shots. Like Kawhi was getting open looks from three. Um, Paul George was getting open looks. Uh, uh, Marcus, Marcus, Marcus Morris was getting open looks. Um, I got to tell you that, 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 uh, that Luke Kennard contract is going to be awful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 16 million per year they have to pay. What him. happened? What happened to him? Shout out to Troy Weaver for uh for, for getting off of that. Yeah. Yeah. He just had like a really he has bad knees, but I mean he cannot stay in the rotation. He was out of the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And like and like he, he here's here's how I saw the other night. Um the Sixers really they only had one bad quarter. Like, when you look back at that game, they had a really bad third quarter. Uh, I think they shot 6 for 16 from the floor in the third. They were 0 for 6 from deep. And I think they committed a couple of turnovers, while the Clippers were 5 for 9 from deep in the third. And I think they shot 10 for 16, something like that. So the third quarter really did them in. And at the end of the day, they only lost by 10, despite losing Dwight early, despite four technical fouls, and just everybody kind of losing their cool. They were right there in that game. It wasn't like they got blown out or anything. And again, that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Doc really has these guys playing really good basketball. It's definitely interesting to watch. Yeah, because I worry about that that middle off day in LA, and I mentioned it the other night. Um, because so many of these guys live in Los Angeles uh, in the off season, there's a lot of potential to sort of scatter. But it felt like early in that game, they were really playing together. They were playing fast. I thought their pace in the first half was really fast. Um, but, you know, they're they're well into a road trip. How, how long have they been on the, on the West Coast now? They have been on the West Coast now for, I think, a week. Yeah, that's, so a, long, that's a long time. And, I mean, listen, like, like this entire road trip is long. Remember, they haven't played at home since March 20th. Like, we're sitting here today recording this podcast. It's March 29th, and they're not coming back home until April 3rd. So, I, I mean, like, you know, they, they, these this is a long, long road trip. And then they only come home for these two games this weekend against Minnesota and Memphis. And then they go back out on the road. I think they play Boston, New Orleans. Uh, they play Oklahoma City. 
and I forget the fourth game, but that's ten road games out of twelve. And, and isn't that, that that's Oklahoma rough. City game? Isn't that like a makeup from when they got canceled earlier in the season from the COVID? Yeah, exactly. That's the game that got postponed back in January. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I wouldn't uh, over. I wouldn't overreact to a second half fade during uh, a couple of the West Coast trips. I I was gone for three nights yeah. last week. I was exhausted Friday night from just going home, and, and that was a, a, only three nights in a hotel. Um, so. I, I just I wouldn't overreact to anything that happens at this time of year. I think we're in the dog days of the of the season anyway. Like these are the Absolutely. doldrums where I wouldn't I would yeah, I watch a game right now and I'm like, what am I gonna learn in this game about this team? We're not we're not gonna learn anything new right now. No. No, but that's why you watch, I guess, because we're out of our fucking minds and we need something to watch. Um we cover the team, of course. Um, one last thing before we get to the buyouts, I do kind of like that they're using Ben in that short roll thing with, 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 with the pick and roll. Like they're getting a, a, another ball handler on that court. Um, and they're using Ben as a more like the screener and diver and out of the short roll, he's been really effective. These he, he's pushing the guys to the corner and he's putting pressure on, on, on the lane. And if they sag off of him, okay, he's just going to go up for it and you're either going to foul him or he's going to dunk it. Or if they play up on him, he's going to go around you. Or if the help comes over, he's kicking to a shooter. I mean, it, it, we saw it a couple times in L.A. Um, I think he has to add a couple counter moves to that, which will come, you know, down the line once he, once he gets used to it more. Um, but I think that's a really viable solution for the playoffs when, when, when the thing slows down. Um, all right. Marky, I just want to address that question. Like, listen, a healthy – or that comment, not a question. But, like, a healthy Sixers team, I think, will give a healthy Nets team a seven-game series. Like, I think Sixers-Nets with both teams fully healthy would go seven games. The reason why I'm picking Brooklyn is because with the game on the line and, you know, there's 10 seconds left, game tied or whatever, the Nets can turn to Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving – or James Harden, three guys who have proven that they, they are clutch performers. We all remember Kyrie shot in game seven in 2016. We all remember Kevin Durant pretty much destroying the Cavaliers in both 2017 and 2018 in the finals. Uh, even during the Western Conference portion of the playoffs before those uh, NBA finals runs, Durant would just go up there and, and you know, just destroy any anybody in his path. Um, so I think – I think the biggest question with Brooklyn is going to be kind of like how, like how how are all three of them going to look come playoff time? But I just I think it's going to be I think it's going to be way too much. I just think it's going to be way too much with Durant, Irving, and Harden. Just at the end of the day, I I, I just think I don't think the Sixers are going to have enough you know to match up. That's just me. Yeah, I don't. I, I still want to see what they look like in the playoffs, both teams. Yeah, but if we're just going to judge off of off of this, I'm probably pushing like I'm putting my money on probably Nets in like six. Um, I would say seven because Brooklyn doesn't have anybody to guard Joel. Like Joel will destroy DeAndre Jordan. He'll destroy LaMarcus Aldridge. He'll destroy Blake Griffin. I mean, like that. Like that's like Joel will throw this team on his back and you know get them to that point. Just at that point, it's going to be all about can they close it out? 
And and you know, I've kind of said this before. I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine. Um, if you Lamarcus Aldridge from mid range is automatic. If you get him into a pick and pop with James Harden, I mean, my God, like all Aldridge is going to do is sit there and pick you apart from mid range. And let's not forget about Joe Harris either. Joe Harris is kind of the forgotten man on this team right now. Joe Harris will sneakily give you twenty points just off three pointers. Love Joe Harris. Right, right. Like Joe Harris is another guy. So just like 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 for me, it's just like Brooklyn's too tough for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it comes down to like the defensive matchups. They they don't have anybody for for MB. Um, I, I guess like Ben plays the hotter of Durant and and, and Harden on any given night, um, but. I, I just think that there's a lot of firepower on that Brooklyn end of things. Um, and they have, you know, two guys that have won, you know, have hit mass, massive shots in the finals to win, to win champion, to help win championships. Right. Uh, and the Sixers don't have a guy that's made it to the conference finals yet. Um, so right now my pick is probably going to be Nets and six. if I had to guess it. Um, but we shall see. That's why they play the series. I will say this: I'm not like concerned. Like, 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 if you're gonna die on the Marcus Aldridge making long twos island, okay, that's a like. That's- yeah, I think those are bridge minutes. And uh, here's what I will say: so I'm gonna say something really nice about him, and and. Uh, I'm going to be tough on him. So I think, how do you shut down Ben Simmons? What are you worried about with Ben Simmons? It's very clearly the book is out that you collapse, you build a wall around about six to eight feet from the rim. And he, you let him drive into that. You let him pick up his dribble and either finish inefficiently or throw a pick six to an outlet, right? That's the book on him. But the Nets don't really have the kind of guys that could play that type of defense against Ben Simmons. They just – they don't actually have that really. They don't have, they don't have physical bodies. They don't have yeah. guys that would really get – they're not like the, the, the Toronto Raptors or the, or the Celtics where they're always going to be in the right spot at the right time. I feel like the only guy on Brooklyn's roster to that point that Jason's making, the only guy on Brooklyn's roster who is even rough and tough like that and physical is probably Bruce Brown. And he's not 6'10". Like Bruce Brown is right. like what, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? I yeah. love Bruce Brown. So, so if you look at – if you yeah. think about it like a chess match where you feed Embiid uh, down yeah. low, you get DeAndre <laughs> Jordan into foul trouble early, that removes – the DeAndre Jordan chess piece from the board. And now Ben Simmons can get downhill against the nets. And now you've, you've, you've essentially created pressure points in exactly where those nets are going to be weak. Now, can you stop them on the other end or do you have to win, you know, 125 to 123 maybe. And I do think that the nets are building to play a much slower pace so I think the final scores will probably be low. They probably want to get to the last two minutes and then beat you in the final two minutes. And I think that is a real, real major concern. They have three guys that can beat you down the stretch. They do. Right. But they don't have a guy – they don't even have one guy that I'm like, 
Well, he takes Ben Simmons off the board offensively. And I think Toronto does. I think the, the Celtics do have those kind of guys or that kind of collective effort. Okay, okay, but who on the Celtics is doing that? I mean, maybe Jalen Brown. They do it collectively, though. They they okay. do those rotations okay. so well. It's like they have a string tied to each other. They're yeah. so good. Yeah. And um, so they're able to just create a, a wall in front of him. But I don't see the Nets being able to do that. So I think your your stars on the Sixers are going to look like stars in that series. And your Nets stars are going to look like stars as well because they're just uh, – each of them are unstoppable in their own right. I so, agree. yeah, I I uh, I think it will be a fascinating, epic series when it comes. Yeah. Now, and you know what? I, I got – real quick, Austin, before we move on, I got one more concern about Brooklyn. Um, it's just like – if you if you're the, if you're the Sixers, and you put you probably put Ben on James Harden, right? You you probably put you probably put Tobias on uh, Durant, and at that point, who are you putting on Kyrie? Like, is it going to be George Hill? Is it going to be Matisse Thybul? Like, like who? who yeah, would you I, I think there? it doesn't matter because I think what what uh, the Nets will do is just uh, they will just screen until they get the right matchup. So they're going to hunt whoever your weakest link is, and they're going to put the guy that it's his turn on your weakest link. And I think that's where George Hill Hill helps them a little bit. Because I think there's a lot of times where Seth Curry is going to be the weakest weakest link, and George Hill is a slight upgrade defensively from Seth Curry. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right. I think they're going to hunt matchups like – Yo, Austin just wants to talk about the buyout market. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have three minutes left. Um, All right, what do you know and when did you know it, Austin Crowell? Exactly. So Jason and I are thinking about about an episode of the pod where we just talk about burner accounts. There have been a lot of of noisy, unidentifiable accounts in the DMs lately. And it's been a lot of talk about – DeMarcus Cousins, Damian Jones, Dwayne Dedman, and Kelly Olenek. Those are the four names wow. that, I think, that, that, that I think could be future Sixers or future former Sixers. Yeah. I like uh, Dwayne Dedman. I like the Dwayne Dedman um, suggestion idea. you just made. I like Dedman a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but how does he help you in a net series? That's where I keep coming back to. I feel like he's a better positional defender than like a rim protector, obviously. But I mean, like I feel like Deadman could help in that series a little bit. He also can stretch out the floor and, and, and you can shoot a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I I think there's a little bit of concern with like how would the inter- what would the interaction or the, the chemistry be like between Dwight, Joe, and and, and Boogie. Um, but I think that's a viable possibility because like he is in theory the best big man available and he stretches the floor a little bit um i just think like the the simple fact of the matter is that this buyout market is guys they want big roles so that way they can showcase themselves for their next big contract no one wants long-term deal no no one no one wants a short-term deal if they can help it that they they want to lock, lock up those two three-year deals like Ilya Sova did with the Bucks after he balled out in Philly the second time, like Bellinelli did with San Antonio when he balled out in Philly the second time or the first time. 
Um, if, if, if you're signing there to, to sit at the end of the bench and be the situational center, that's not, that's not attractive to, to get a lot of guys. Um, I, I think the stretch four market's going to be something that they push. I don't know. Maybe like they, they, they have visions of like trying to play dead and as a stretch four. Um, or like maybe they, maybe you, 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 you use Kelly Olenek and that, and that, and that like small ball center idea. Um, but I, I have, I have a suspicion that they're going to do something. Can you, can you, do the Philly fans have the tolerance to have a straight up NBA villain on their team? Because Kelly, Kelly Olynyk, you could make a real argument. Kelly Olynyk is a useful chess piece in a net series as an agitator, as a potential, you know, get um, double T's on one of their stars, like. But he's a villain. He's like a punchable face guy. He's a like nobody likes Kelly Olynyk. I'll tell you this: my dad can't stand Kelly Olynyk. He- nobody can stand Kelly Olynyk. Like, <laughs> that's that's sort of his brand. He come you know, on, he, man. Kelly Olynyk did nothing to nobody. He he Kelly basically Olenek literally ended Kevin Love's career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much did. Kevin Love hasn't been the same since then. Yeah, I don't think he has been the same. I think he. I think he's. I think he's played fifty-eight minutes this season. He's owed like sixty million over the next two years. I know it's crazy. Like, and I mean, remember Kevin Love actually wasn't even all that great on Cleveland's championship run to the finals. You know, he they won. Yeah, he really wasn't all that great. I remember he had an okay Eastern Conference Finals against Toronto. The only time he struggled was when they went on the road to Toronto, um, <laughs> and just like, like you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you know what? You got a point there, Austin. That might be it. What? Like, you know, maybe Kelly Olynyk just ruined Kevin Love's career. He did. He uh, definitely did. Listen, listen um, I wish I had Kevin Love's age. He was bought out, yeah. Um, now, if Kevin Love was bought out, you yeah, he wasn't bought yesterday, out. right? He wasn't, he wasn't bought out. Kelly oh. I know. I yeah, Olynyk wasn't bought out. Olynyk has not been bought out yet? No, no, he's actually quite the opposite. He's starting tonight with the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he starts for them. He starts for the Rockets. Never mind. Uh, wow. So close. We were so close there. Um but so, I just think that like it's they're waiting for it to see like like what names leave. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if no, 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 no. I will ask him some very hard questions. I, I, I gotta stand <laughs> Me up. Me too. I gotta Me stand too. up for people. hundred percent. That would be uh, if he thinks if anybody thinks Philly media is tough, they haven't seen tough yet. Until exactly. They try to bring a guy like that in. Exactly. They haven't seen the half of it. By the right. way, is Daryl Morey buttering us up or what the other night? Oh yeah, yeah right, right. I, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, a couple of those Red Bull packages or whatever, like the whatever you know, new gear they, they the shoes, whatever. Roll. Yeah. Any what you want. Um, I also think that they might like they, they're going to monitor the magic. Like Terrence, uh, Terrence Ross could be a name that, like, on the wing that just gives you some shot creation, a little bit of depth. Um, Otto Porter Jr. I think is would be interesting for them. You I could, think it would be hugely interesting. Do you, is there any any uh, thought that he's getting bought out? Uh, I think they're gonna just see what he brings. Wouldn't be surprised if it happens like in a couple of weeks. 
Um, but I, I do get the sense that there would be some interest on the Sixers front. Yeah, sure. that would be, I think that would be like, forget about the fact that you don't have a third big uh, auto porter would be uh, a great addition. Yeah. Yeah. So we shall see. Kai, what do you got? Parting shots. Oh, oh, I got any final thoughts here? Final thoughts? All right. Um, real quick, me and Jason, when we were in Florida, we actually had this We actually had this little debate about who has the better future between the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Detroit Pistons, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? And I real quick just want to touch on that. Just only take like a minute or two, you know, whatever. But Austin, I wanted to get your take. Like who's got the better future, Cleveland, Minnesota, or Detroit? <sighs> Not, not Detroit. I think Detroit's last. <laughs> um, I see Jason and I kind of had Detroit like near the top. I think they're last, and here's why. At least the Timberwolves, you have like two players that you can that, like seem to have it. They seem to have like something figured out there with like Cat and, um, and and Anthony Edwards. Like even though he's not efficient yet, I still like what Anthony Edwards brings athletically and like from like a shooting standpoint. So. Uh-huh. I look- to see how he plays plays along. I think getting Ryan Saunders out of there was good. Um, but the Cavaliers, they're like they're they're already they're start they're already getting better. I think Colin Saxon's getting better. I, I do like, like the pieces they I, I like I like the, some of the pieces they have there as well. Pistons, I I, I was low on um uh, what what what's the kid's name that they drafted. Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes. Which one? Killian Hayes. I was okay. low on Killian Hayes. I'm still the jury's still very much out on him. Uh, they're paying Mason Plumley like eight million a year for the next three years. Um, I know that's that's a bad part. <laughs> the hope of the the hope for the future is that like Sadiq Bay really hits because I think he's going to be a good player. I think Sadiq Bay will be a good player. Um, I think Jeremy Grant is outplaying his contract already, which I didn't think Grant was ever going to live up to that even live even live up to that deal. I think Jeremy Grant's playing well. I think Dwayne Casey is the right coach for a young rebuilding team. Um because even when you even when you go back to his days with Toronto, like the Raptors were still winning games and being successful. But I <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Mason Plumley, let's go to work. Plum dog. Look, look at that. Oh he it's a little in and out. Oh he tripped he buckles. Oh <laughs> At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I, I do agree with you guys that probably Cleveland Cleveland probably has, in my opinion, right now like the best future out of the three of them. Um, but then I would say Detroit second and Minnesota last, just because I feel like Minnesota just continues to make every wrong decision, like, like throughout the throughout this entire process, like whenever they rebuild. And and I like Detroit's move so far, uh, getting rid of Kennard, something we talked about earlier, just moving off his contract. Um, finally buying out Blake Griffin, finally just kind of really moving forward with this rebuild. And, um, I mean, if the Pistons get like a top pick and get after Cade Cunningham, then that kind of makes up for the mistake of maybe going after Killian Hayes, you know? I got to tell you, Cade's the real deal. But um, the, 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 the one thing that's like – that gives me pause for saying the Wolves, because I think the Wolves actually have some star power there already. Yeah. Um. I just can't believe that they traded Wiggins for for Dan D'Angelo Russell, and they gave up they give up two first round picks too. I, it I is what it is. That, that is a fireable offense. 
Well, that's what I'm saying about the Timberwolves. It's just like they have a lot of talent. Obviously, you mentioned Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, even though they gave up too, way too much for him. He's still a good player. And Cat, they got three pretty good pieces there. And I like Jaden McDaniels, too, and I like the other pieces on I that roster. But it's like Minnesota just continues to just make wrong mistake after bad mistake after bad mistake after bad mistake. And, and it's like I don't, I don't trust them at all. Like I wouldn't – you could give the Timberwolves – Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, and I still wouldn't pick them to win anything. Like I still wouldn't pick them because they're Minnesota, you know. So yeah, I just I I can't believe that they gave the end. Well, no, they traded for D'Angelo Russell on, on a max contract. But can I tell you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like they trade Jeremy Grant the deadline next year. The, the Pistons, I think they could. Yeah, no, I think he's a I think he's a face of the franchise. And face of the culture, um, well, so I don't agree. Yeah, a long way to go if he's the face of the franchise, then because definitely has a long way to go. Yeah, I think uh, I think Minnesota, for a talented front office, has more pieces to work with, more assets to work with, but they're just not talented. They, yeah, they're just they're bad at the top, and um, they. What strikes me is that they just don't uh, know how to build a program. Because I, yeah. I like Ryan Saunders. I like their players in a vacuum. Uh, with the exception of D'Angelo Russell, who I think is fake good. Um, wow. I, I mean, I think he's he's actually just not good, but like wow. impressively not good. Wow. Um, and I worry that Anthony Edwards. Uh, we'll see. You know, he he might be he might be fine. Uh, um, but. It's a rookie, but I'm not buying the Anthony Edwards thing myself. Um, and I just think it's the sports not center yet. effect. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but but I do, I do think there's a sports center effect to how we value players. Um, if they make Lamelo got this early in the season, where you know you make two great plays in a hundred possessions, and you're on Sports Center. And then you look at their number and LaMelo early in the year and Anthony Edwards, they're on SportsCenter. And then you look at the box score and they went two for 11. Well, right. both of those two made shots uh, are on SportsCenter. They look cool, though. They did they look, look cool. They and there was a really cool. valid ESPN debate about what will matter more, um, you know, some ex really good player. Uh, or Anthony Edwards dunk on the baseline in a game that he he shot like uh, four for 11. And the argument was no one will care about this very solid, you know, 25, eight and eight night, but that will be a highlight we play for 20 years. And that, and there's some, there's some truth to it, but when it comes to like getting to the playoffs and winning a playoff series, fake good guys, like impressively bad guys um, are just a recipe for early exits, even if you make it. Fair enough. Jason, any parting shots? That's a that's a pretty tough shot on D'Angelo Russell. Wow. It's yeah, impressively it harmful. Well, Kai covers the Sixers for USA Today, the Sixers Wire. You can find him writing 11 articles per day. Um, Jason. That's not an exaggeration either. Jason is like a dog. I don't really know what he does for a living. It's kind of like it's a it's a mystery to me still. I think he covers the Sixers in his free time. 
uh, for both the Panthers live. <laughs> it's free time. And 97.3 ESPN. Um, I also, as you know, cover the Sixers for the Painted Lions. Follow us on Twitter, NBA, Kai underscore Carlin, and then me at NBA Krell. As always, we do appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review, and listen on Apple Pods, SoundCloud, wherever you get your pods. As always, thank you for tuning in, everybody, and have a good night.